0: This winter, Hulu and Disney Plus are better together in a brand new bundle. That's wicked. Wicked good. With titles like Disenchanted and Willow on Disney Plus. And Fleischman is in trouble. And welcome to Chippendales on Hulu.
1: I love this place.
0: All for just 9 dollars a month. All of these and more now streaming. 18 and over only. Access content from each service separately. Offer valid for eligible subscribers only. Terms apply. See the DisneyBundle.com for details. Today is a new day. Today is the day that your voice will be heard. Today, you will learn more about how to get out of your captivity and begin to step in who you were always meant to be. Welcome to your new life. My name is Dr. Ludi Green and I'm the host of Ending Domestic Abuse. Is your child angry and throwing temper tantrums at you? How do you respond to him or her? Or do you notice them more withdrawn and seeking isolation from all that they once loved? Are we, as parents, taking our own problems out on our children? It's time to take responsibility of our actions. We all were children once, and a child's brain is not like an adult's. They don't think like us. We need to reflect on this and reevaluate our response to our children's behavior. More than ever, we are living in stressful times in our country and around the world. The practice of compassion and patience need to be with us more often. I'm a certified leader in life coaching. I help more than a thousand abused women regain their freedom and find financial independence from domestic abuse. In this podcast, You will hear from top experts in the world of domestic abuse, and you will hear from abused women who found a way out. Together, we'll offer you emotional support and practical ideas so you can free yourself from abuse at home now. Our special guest today is Judge Mark Kennedy from Alabama. He was an Associate Justice for the Supreme Court of Alabama for 11 years. He also served as the Chairman of the State of Alabama's Children's Trust Fund for 21 years. And he is a co-author of The Broken Road with his wife, Peggy Kennedy, which was published by Bloomsbury Company. Judge Kennedy, it's an honor to have you in our program today. Judge Kennedy and I met in Washington State about 20 years ago when I was serving as the vice chairwoman of the Family and Children's Trust Fund of Virginia. Later on, he served as the vice chairman of the Board of Second Chance Employment Services, a nonprofit that I founded in 2001 with a mission to provide employment placement services for women victims of domestic violence in their children. Judge Kennedy, will you briefly share your background with our audience?
1: Well, thank you, Ludy. It's great to be here with you. This is certainly an interesting time and a challenging time for all of us as it relates not only to our own lives but the lives of our children. I was born here in Alabama. My wife and I have been married 47 years. I had the great opportunity after graduating from law school Several years later, after working in the local sector, I was appointed to the bench here in Montgomery. I was became first a district court judge, which handles cases and particularly cases of divorce and juvenile delinquency cases. That opened my eyes as it related to not only where the system was good and where the system was bad, but it also gave me a better understanding about how I wanted to raise our two sons. Later in my career, I became a circuit court judge. That's what we call a trial court judge. And it's there that I saw the outcomes of young men and women who had been abused all of their lives. And whether they were on drugs or whether they had committed serious crimes, I sat in judgment every day, determining what was going to be the outcome after a jury found them guilty. My last journey on the bench was I served as a justice of the Alabama Supreme Court. In that role, we review cases to determine whether or not they meet legal standards. I realized as those cases continued to come toward me and through our offices at the remarkable number of cases that we reviewed that dealt with the rights of children, but also dealt with issues relating to child abuse and the neglect of children. That's kind of my journey as it relates to my professional life. But I have had the opportunity, Lily, to work with you and other nonprofit organizations throughout the country that gives me hope. But today we need more than hope. We need opportunities to care, to be there for families and for children during these horrendous times.
0: Thank you for sharing your amazing achievements, Judge Kennedy, it's just amazing and all the work you have done for our community. And it was enjoyable also working with you Before we answer questions from our listeners, I would like to share with you all a story from a child in my neighborhood who suffered violence by his father during the pandemic. While this will be a sensitive story for listeners to hear, it is crucial for the story's victims, adults and children, to be shared. Children often have the most difficult challenges in surviving situations of family violence. Let's call the boy George. He's about seven years old. He's an only child trapped at home with his parents. He has no siblings or relatives around the family that he could seek help from. His father and mother are both alcoholics. The parents have been dealing with their own personal issues during their relationship, but were trying to stick together in order to raise George. According to the wife, the father is a very difficult man to live with and also has a short temper, always screaming at her and at the son. Whenever he was frustrated with his own work issues, he will just really burst in anger. And as most of us can attest to, during this pandemic, he was working from home and not getting out at all, building inside anger and frustration as things were not going his way. Then one day he exploded in anger and started beating George as he would not do what he was told. George did not pick up a toy after he finished playing with it, so George got a bloody nose and bruises on his body from this incident. The mother is scared of her partner, but does not want to destroy the marriage. They are a very conservative family and believers of faith, she doesn't want to cause a neighborhood scandal. For the listener's awareness, I learned about this situation a few weeks after the brutal incident occurred. I have made referrals for services and recommendations to protect her child. If you or someone you know is looking for help, please listen to this story, as well as the advice Judge Kennedy will provide for this family and many others out there experiencing similar situations. A little later in our segment today, Judge Mark Kennedy will share his advice for George's family and what steps the mother can take to protect her child. At this time, I have a community announcement. I have dedicated my life to raising awareness and helping women live domestic violence situations. That is why I'm a huge supporter of the Women's Center and the vital work they do for victims of domestic and sexual violence in Washington DC and Northern Virginia. Having been a donor, and a volunteer in the past, I have seen firsthand this positive and meaningful impact they have in our community. I encourage you to the Women's Center website to support their mission, visit thewomencenter.org Again, that's thewomencenter.org. Thank you for your support. We'll be right back after this short break. Welcome back to ending domestic abuse. Welcome back, Judge Kennedy. And I have some questions for you. To begin with, what can you tell us what constitutes child abuse and neglect and the different types of abuse and children may face?
1: Well, the National Children's Bureau within the Department of Health and Human Services in Washington has set forth basic standards that all states must follow. The standards state the standards that we have to abide by states Any recent act or failure on the part of a parent or caretaker which results in death, serious physical or emotional harm, sexual abuse or exploitation, or certain acts of failure which presents an imminent risk of serious harm. That is the legal definition that we must follow. But you can't understand what all the pain and the sorrow and the agony that children and men and women go through as it relates to being victimized. But the standards are very broad, and they're also... Apply to the states, to counties, and to cities. It's interesting, and some people don't realize that under the law in every state, a child reaches the age of majority at the age of 18. At that point in time, they're no longer considered to be a child. Therefore, any person who is 18 or younger is considered to be a minor, and therefore they cannot give their consent to engage in any type of illegal activity. Those are the children that we must pray for, and those are the children that we must reach out for.
0: One of the things that have been always my concern when I was working with a family in children's Strafano, fund of Virginia, always addressing the issue of child abuse, which is so severe and is really a pandemic as well around the world, not only in this country. I always thought about, shouldn't we starting educating our communities before even they get married, before they even have children, And, you know, addressing the issue of parenting, we have to use more consciousness and start thinking about, well, it's all our goal just making money, build businesses, but what about our children, the children we bring to this world, who they will become the new generation to come, who they will make this world better. But if we're not addressing it, and if we don't have the systems put in place that can help our families to raise these children in a loving and caring environment, whether it is after, and just... Grateful that you have done this work, Judge Kennedy, and thank you for educating us about this. And I have a second question for you. What impact COVID-19 in economic turndown has impacted cases in severities of child abuse and neglect?
1: Well, COVID-19 has affected all of us, and particularly those individuals and families and mothers and fathers and children that don't have the financial stability in order to take care of themselves, don't have adequate housing, are forced to go out every day to go to work. We are fortunate in many ways that we have those resources, but so many American people don't have the opportunity that some others have. It's also a time of great stress within the home. No doubt, it is a difficult situation. Children don't go to school, so they're always at home 24 hours a day, which is probably not good for anyone children don't have opportunities to mingle or to reach out to their friends except perhaps over the internet or the telephone all of those stresses oftentimes create an environment where regular persons where regular parents break too coronavirus pandemic is nothing but an, in many ways is an invitation for many to reach out and take out their fears on our children all of us are at risk, but children who do not have the resources to survive are walking on the edge of disaster. Fear is often the engine that drives someone to reach out in anger in those who can't fight back. The incidences of child abuse and neglect, no doubt, will run rampant throughout America and the world. Vulnerability sometimes create doubt, a sense of losing control. Without control, fear becomes the brother of anger, and the least of these, women and children, will suffer.
0: Totally agree with that. How has coronavirus complicated family court matters in cases of abuse? What advice can you give to those trying to keep their children healthy and safe while dealing with dual custody and access to court and protective orders?
1: In most states and jurisdictions throughout the country, most of the court systems are shut down. There's no access to reach out to the courts to file complaints unless there are cases of illegal activities. Because of the virus and because of the court shutdown, the only recourse for families will be law enforcement agencies, or social service agencies that in most cases would have the authority to remove a child if they are in harm or in danger. But they cannot issue a protective order. The only recourse would be the replacement of child in foster care or filling, filing charges with local authorities. Without a court system, without a legal system, we can arrest people, we can replace children in safe houses, but we cannot access the court, which is a tremendous burden.
0: Judge Kennedy, what options do children who are experienced abuse or adults who witness know about child abuse have to advocate for themselves and seek legal help? What are the first steps to ensure physical and legal protection while the abuser is a parent?
1: You know that issue and that situation probably is the most challenging that children will face and also the court systems and social services where the only the victim is the only one that knows there is in fact harm and danger for his life. It may be up to a child if he's not going to report to at least have the opportunity and the courage and the encouragement to go and seek a relative. There are no relatives that will work with them. They could always walk out if there's a policeman in somewhere in the community and tell him what's happened and that they need help. The worst thing they can do for themselves and for their lives and for their families and their mothers and fathers is to keep quiet. Whether you're 10 or whether you're fifty, all of us have the right to live a life free of anger and danger. Not only is it not fair, it's criminal to allow that to go on in the house. So, it'll have to be up to us in some ways to open doors, open opportunities, and invite those children to come to a safe place where they will be recognized and where they will be honored and where they know they can speak the truth because no one else will know. It's hard to give children that kind of opportunity and that kind of spirit because they live in a house where they are worthless in many cases. All they know is if I talk, I get a whipping or a beating. All they know is I need to go hide because my father's come home drunk. I need to lay low because my mother is gone. I don't know where she is and I'm not sure when she'll come back. It's because you're young doesn't mean the the law and those rights that we all preserve don't apply. They do. But it's hard I know to step out and seek a friend or seek someone and tell them the truth of their life so that they can in turn Help them do what their parents should do, and that is give him an opportunity to be himself and to thrive.
0: You know, great advice that you're giving, but my heart breaks when I just thinking about child abuse and thinking about the younger ones, the little ones, even just born babies who they get beaten by their parents, or little children who they are just learning how to talk and they cannot communicate and they cannot go anywhere but just they just live day by day with abuse. Ah, uh, just the thought about that is just. Hurts me so much. Another question that I have many parents, especially women, fear that if the abuser is brought to court, many women fear that the judge will not believe them. They may lose custody. In many cases, abusers can manipulate and present themselves as completely different people in a courtroom, as you have seen it. What advice to women can you give on these cases? And what is essential to bring to a domestic child abuse family court case? And how does the court protect victims in cases like this?
1: Well, obviously, if they have the opportunity to have an attorney, they need to hire an attorney. But so many women don't have the resources to hire a divorce attorney. Secondly, they need to do everything they can to build their case, whether it be through documentation or statements or whether they have individuals in their community that know the truth and will support them in court. They also can ask the court to provide a guardian ad litem in the case who represents the child so that the child will be a party to the case and will have his voice heard. The worst thing that a person can do in divorce court, whether it be a husband or wife, is to be antagonistic, trying to speak to the judge out of turn. They need to communicate through their attorneys. They need to be honest with themselves and with the court. On many occasions, as I sat in a domestic relations court overseeing divorces, it was really more about anger and hate than it was about justice. That's not what a divorce is about. If you're coming to court, you know that that's going to be the ending. It's not going to change. The judge is not going to make you or require you to stay married. So you need to tell your story. You need to be calm. You need to be forthright when it relates to what the issues are. If you need protection, you must ask for protection. And you also ask that judge to provide a reasonable opportunity for both of them living separate lives to have the resources that they need from one another.
0: What family court reforms do you support to ensure that the judicial system better supports the needs and best interests of children, specifically in cases? where an allegedly abusive parent is allowed partial custody?
1: Well, first of all, the courts are very limited as it relates to the information they have. When I was a family court judge and was hearing divorces and they would come into the courtroom, I would make it very clear. The only thing that I can make a judgment on the outcome is what I hear from you. I haven't lived with you. I haven't been with you. I don't know anything about you and your relationship. So, this is an opportunity for us, your lawyers, me, and you to work this out. Litigants and lawyers know that they need to provide information, truthful information, and also be candid with the court. While they need to follow the recommendations, they could ask the judge to add additional conditions such as requiring a former husband to wear a monitoring system if they, in fact, present an opportunity for them to reach out and harm their children or their wife. Judges in the court system are not there to send you through or to help you through the process after the divorce is final, so it has to be up to you to reach out to those social services and also reach out to your family We all need to stay firm and focused on what the reality of of a divorce means, do what we can to live a life of purpose, if that is the outcome and the opportunity that people seek.
0: Thank you so much. Coming up, Judge Mark Kennedy will gladly answer questions from our audience who have reached out to us on our website and phone line. We'll be right back after this quick break. Welcome back, everyone. I'm your host, Dr. Ludie Green. Today we're talking with Judge Mark Kennedy, who serves as an Associate Justice from the Supreme Court of Alabama and a former chairman of the State Alabama Children's Trust Fund, as well as a co-author of The Broken Road, a recent published book by Bloomsbury Publishing. If we can return to George's story, I think we will all like to hear what Judge Mark Kennedy has to say about the situation and what advice he can provide to George's mother who would like to seek help?
1: First of all, we all should feel compassion for that young man. He deserves a better life. You know, it's seldom discussed that the vast number of victimized children like George never see a courtroom. They never really have a voice. They have no hope to escape to a better life. Living on the fringes of liberty and justice for all, we find children like George, hunger and fear, Lack of clean water, no food tonight, dead-end streets, where there are no opportunity. That's probably the story of the journey that he is taking, and what a terrible opportunity that Mother has created and that father has created to give him that kind of life. It's not opportunity, it's a dead-end street. All of us need to reach out, find out where and how children like George can seek help. We all have opportunities to learn where their shelter shelters. We all know where churches are. But if he has an opportunity to be helped by someone, a family member, a teacher, a minister, they need to step forward because this is not going to improve until he finds himself and a better life.
0: Thank you for answering this question, giving the advice to George's mother. We have some questions from our listeners. This one is coming from Kathy. She says, I'm unable to provide for my two children, so I have to stay with my husband, who has been violent with me. Recently, he has started to take his anger out of the children. How do I protect them?
1: Well, first of all, whether it be a husband or not, that's a crime. If he's assaulting his wife and his children, either verbally or physically, then perhaps the mother has an opportunity, but she may have an obligation to reach out and seek help. It may be a family member, it may be a minister. It's hard to find housing now because of the terrible pandemic we're in. But that mother has an obligation to do what she can to protect herself and to protect her children. Perhaps there's nowhere else to go. But a lot of times in those situations, it's more about the mind. It's more about the fear of a different future rather than no opportunity to escape. I have seen women and know women that have been in that situation. Some of them never get out, but some of them do. Don't give up. Have hope and find a way for other people, through other people, of opportunities, of people that can help you. You don't deserve to live a life like that.
0: Thank you for your answer. This is coming from Jeffrey. He's a father. He says, I'm a father that believes in firm parenting. Children need direction and support. I was raised rough and had to learn how to take care of myself. At what point do the courts get involved in family matters? When is it legally deemed abuse?
1: Well, that's a fine line between discipline and abuse. Obviously, the gentleman has had a difficult time in his life. He may not realize it, and perhaps that's just the way that their family was. It doesn't mean that we need to repeat that cycle. It doesn't mean that he has an obligation or an opportunity to do to his children what his parents did to him. If he recognizes Those acts of violence against him as a child, then give his son a better life. If he feels that is appropriate to do those things to his child, then he needs to seek help. But if there's a mother, or if the son himself needs to talk to someone, ask for help, they don't have to ask them to arrest their father, but ask them perhaps to provide opportunities where their father can be better. The problem is not the child, it's the father. I don't want to treat my children the way that my family treated me. My family was loving. My family encouraged me. But that was in a different generation. I want to be the father that I can be, not like my father was, whether good or bad.
0: Thank you so much, Judge Mark Kennedy, for being on our program today and for the advice you provided to the families listening. I'm grateful to have you on our show. To learn more about Judge Mark Kennedy, visit our website and look for today's show. Just go to ludigreen.com. That's ludigreen.com. That wraps up our show for today. If you have any questions or need help for an abusive relationship, don't delay. We want to hear from you now. Send us an email through our website at ludigreen.com. That's Ludygreen.com. Or you can call our hotline at 202-643-2327. That's 202-643-2327. On our next episode, you will hear from Tanya Brown, the sister of Nicole Brown Simpson, who was a victim of domestic violence. She will share with our listeners about domestic violence and the effects it has on extended family members, as well as the deadly consequences. Thanks for listening to Ending Domestic Abuse. Until then, stay safe and many blessings.